Welcome to Bitstorm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Ben Slinger. With me, as always, is Trevor Scott. Yes, I am. You're here. I'm here. Let's click pitch. Do you want to tell the fine folks at home, listening to number 128 uh, of Bitstorm, what click pitch is all about? Click pitch is a game. We each have a random word generator in front of us. On the count of three, two, one, we're going to click refresh, get ourselves a word, tell them to each other, make a game design idea based of those two idea, those two words. I think, I think a better then, challenge would be that we don't tell them to each other. <laughs> we just have to guess. <laughs> we have to mime them to Bas- each other. <laughs> yeah, we're not in the same room, so that will prove difficult. Sorry, I didn't have the camera on or anything like that. Anyway, when the idea doesn't work, we throw it away and start all over again. Yeah, let's do it. Three, two, one, click. Western. Parallel. Hmm. For some reason, my head keeps on going to something that we've done before. Uh Uh-huh. But when I hear the word parallel, I think what's parallel in a Western setting, but train Train lines. Like Uh the the two- um, metal tracks of, of a train or parallel lines. Yes. Uh, I mean, we could definitely just jump off um, the Western theme and and that gives us a very broad vista, a, mm-hmm. a mesa, if you will, to, <laughs> to, uh, to play around with. Like what sort of, you know, obviously we've got the Red Dead Redemptions. We've got the, what's the other one? Doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> Western games, you know, I don't know. It's not a particularly common setting. Um, no, it isn't really, is it? When it comes to when it comes to games, so I don't know what what new and refreshing could we do with with a Western? Okay, uh, okay, yeah. It's a game set in the Firefly universe. <laughs> okay, yes, that. They definitely took a lot of those Western tropes into space. Yeah. What I, what I really liked about that was taking taking the fact that it was a Western, but taking it futuristic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't think we've done a Firefly game. Uh, no. That could be interesting. So, do- is uh, I mean, I think the more interesting way to go with this is that you, you uh, pilot a ship within the Firefly universe. Yeah. Wait, you sh- I think maybe we have done it. Anyway, uh, we'll do it again. Um, you pilot a ship within the Firefly universe and ra- rather than obviously taking control of, of the characters themselves from the TV series Firefly. Um, I mean, I'm sure we could get Nathan Philly on board, but I don't want to deal with fucking Adam Baldwin. Yeah. I think you said that last time too. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> um, no, what, what I, what I like is where, where it sort of starts is, you know, it starts in like a bar. Yeah, and your characters just sort of um, finishing up a drink, and a bar fight starts up, and all this sort of stuff. And it's sort of like the very start of um, I think the first episode that went to air was like the train job. Yeah, um, and so where, the idea where of- Serenity comes and uh, and like saves them after the bar fight. Yeah, yeah, 
Um, you know, they punch someone, they get into this massive fight. Um, someone goes flying out the window, but the window doesn't break because it's like a hologrammatic window <laughs> and all this sort of stuff. And it just sort of- That's like your first um, sign. Yeah, I like the idea of taking that scene as as like an, a, kind of an homage to that scene starting off the game. Um, but what I like is that um, maybe it's the characters from Serenity that you see in this fight- you just happen to be one of the people that was in the fight as well. All right. Well, let, let's think about let's think about what this game what this game is because I mean be, because it, it lends itself to narrative. Well, you and I often go to a sort of third person action adventure type of thing. Uh, but my mind actually for a moment went to what if this was kind of like um, a top down tactical esque kind of game. Okay. Uh, you know, a bit XCOM-y almost. Not quite where my mind was going, but- um. <laughs> Well, look, it doesn't necessarily have to be- It doesn't necessarily have to be top-down, like, even, but uh, but take it take it turn-based and, and a bit more tactical. Because uh, I think- I feel, like a, I feel like a tactical game in the world of, of Firefly could be really interesting, both because you've got um, combat on- planets but also you could then take the you know the similar tactical sort of thing to space battles okay so your character are they smugglers sure yes yeah, that's, that's that what i'm was, that's what i'm kind of seeing them as they're yep. they're just like just like the serenity crew they're like um except they got beaten to the punch on this particular this particular job so they didn't actually yeah. get out on the train job um so now they've got to try and find some something else that they need they can um basically get some more cargo and then head you know, off I, on the I definitely the like the idea of of taking that scene from Firefly and using that as a as a kicking off sort of branching point for this alternate crew of smugglers uh yeah. and then and then yeah you get to use a lot of the same themes without having to uh be stuck with the actual Firefly story uh, the surrender, the surrender. Um, so I'm, I'm certainly seeing that you know you got to sort of plan out your your smuggling jobs. Um, yeah, you well, that's that why I think the tactical side of it uh, is is interesting because then it is a bit more of like uh, you know oh okay we're taking uh, you know there's there's something valuable on a ship that's parked uh, you know that that's that's being that, that's parked in the in the landing bay of this particular hotel, um, and so it's infiltrate the landing bay. Um, go to the ship, you know, you, it's like, okay, this, you put this person at the back door of the ship, put this person at the front door of the ship and set them to like kick the doors open simultaneously. Like, so you've got some sort of kind of control over, over your, your tactics that you, that you're actually employing to, to finish the job. I'm just wondering if there's, if there's a way of sort of taking kind of like what, um, if you remember Knights of the Old Republic, mm-hmm. a lot of the rules behind that was like D20 based. Yeah, um, yeah. So using like it's still um, a lot of the combat is is actually turn based, but it's um, but it's actually it looks real time um, because you know someone's you know going ahead and actually attacking. You can change your tactics as you're going, but it's all based on sort of like you're attacking, then they're attacking, then you're attacking, you're they're right. attacking. Yeah. So it's kind of not you don't you don't necessarily have control of end my turn now and then they take their turn. Uh, no, it's, you it's, can you can set up your your next five moves moves or whatever in that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, it's and it's um, it's almost initiative based then on on who 
who went first. Who goes next, yeah. Like it's when it's all behind the scenes, are. you know, you're not yeah. seeing it as such. Um, I kind of like that because you know my thoughts on turn-based. I, I don't like the full <laughs> thing like that, whereas I love um, Knights of the Old Republic. And, and the way that they actually did that whole D20 idea behind the scenes was amazing. Yeah. Um, well, well the, the thing is there is a there is a Firefly tabletop role-playing game as well. Um, so you could potentially use some of those rules, although I think a lot of those were more about um, role-playing than, than yeah. combat. Yeah, that's usually the way, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, look, uh, there is definitely a trend towards more role-playing heavy games, I think, than, than kind of mechanic- um, Number heavy games, but I might be wrong. I've got to say, I'm not across I reckon the, the tabletop games. I reckon so much. the reason why I've got, um, you know, D20s in my head at the moment is because we're actually playing in a D&D game at the moment. We are. It's and a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm having a lot of, a lot of fun with it. And I, I really like the, um, the nitty gritty of the, of the rolling the dice. So to have that, <laughs> that sort of same rules in the background that, you know, you're only hitting if you, if you're getting above their, um, their AC sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, having yeah, it hidden uh, behind hidden behind some some other rules. Yeah, well, it's always in- it's always interesting how much you actually expose of those rules. Yeah. Um, because I think there is a balance there. If you completely hide them, then people are going to be like, "Why the fuck did I just miss?" <laughs> um, uh, but but if you make it too obvious, then you're just seeing numbers all over the screen, and that's boring. So, yeah. but yeah, that's cool. So, are you thinking then? Is this still? party based like are you are you able to switch between your characters during oh the yeah, combat yeah. And, I'm, yeah i'm i'm thinking it's very very much um based based almost off off the of the whole knights of the old republic yeah. party oh, base but maybe maybe a few but... more people than than the three that you could have in that i do kind of like the yeah, idea four of being able to take a, a four or five party yeah, out yeah um you know your your main character is the one who's doing all the talking between places a la yeah, mass effect and and that sort of stuff but yep. You're also um, the people that you bring along with. They can they can interject into the conversation and, and produce other other parts of dialogue that you may not have got if you brought along someone else. Yeah, um, which is very Mass Effect. It's very um, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's basically Bioware <laughs> is is effectively what it is. Um, I mean, Bioware doing well. I don't know about Bioware these days, but uh, old Bioware. Bioware in their prime doing a Firefly game would be fucking awesome. Yeah. Um. Now, I'm not saying that, yeah, we just steal that entire way of doing things. I just think for the for the talking and the combat it, yeah. and the party, you know, it sort of works. Yeah. Um, as, as for controlling controlling your characters normally, I I'm not sure whether the um whether the um you know third person is right for this sort of game. I think you may have actually been right with the top down sort of idea that you're sort of moving like the party around. a la a la your sort of like wasteland um, or something. Wasteland or Diablo or something yeah. like that, where you sort of just you're able to see what's sort of around and yeah, yeah, yeah. You get a little bit more of a um of a yeah, view. Yeah, and, as and to then what's I think during happening. combat you get a nice little camera pan down and and you know a good little two or three shot of the people involved in any particular you know uh, uh, incident <laughs> yeah. or, or move, and um, you get some nice cinematic stuff happening. You know, you can you can put like little tactics in, kind of like um, you know, hide behind hide behind these this particular area. And uh, one of the things that I'm pretty sure you could actually do in um, in Knights of the Old Republic is actually almost like your your Fallout Four Vats 
sort of thing where you can sort of slow down the action. I think you could actually pause, couldn't you? Like yeah. you pause, set up your next set of actions or whatever, and then unpause and let them play out. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, I think that or, makes sense. Or you can do it in in like continuous motion that you yeah. um that you're setting up the next next motion as you're going. Um, yeah, I but I think like you that, I think you often end idea. up flipping back and forth, like whoever you're sort of mainly controlling. You know, you may be doing them in real time, but you pause. You know, every every now and then to to switch to your other party members and make sure they're you know doing their thing, or to move one over there to flank or whatever. You know, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, just just being able to to fiddle around with those those sort of things. I yeah, think yeah. So basically, quite, we spent ten strong. minutes. Uh, ten minutes when all we needed to say is Bioware make a Firefly game. Uh, three, two, one, click. <laughs> Fair enough. Teenage Atom. Oh, okay. This is is this a superhero game, or no? Or is this like a high school science fair or something where someone like wants to split the atom? For well, their I was going to say so. <laughs> I was going to say like, uh, you know, Jeremy, because we always go with Jeremy. Jeremy's always there. Uh, you know, he brings in his uh, vinegar and and baking soda volcano and. Um, and uh, Belinda has has some potatoes that she's looked at, uh, and then Jessica has her nuclear reactor, uh, which is fully functioning, <laughs> and they have to um, evacuate the school because the Geiger counters, which for some reason they have in this school, are going off. Um- <laughs> what, what I'm picturing is, for some reason, Jessica has actually solved the riddle of cold fusion. <laughs> Ooh, even better. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, I I don't know. That's an interesting narrative kicking off point. Is that the start of the game, or do we, is there a lead up to that? Um, I I think it's one of those things where it starts off at the science fair, and yep. you know, you um you it's going down the line of of seeing what all the what all the people's um science experiments were, and then when they see Jessica's, that's when it sort of kicks back to a couple of days earlier and how how she right. sort of. Um, worked out how to, how to actually do this. Okay. Well, let's figure that out. Uh, is this- Well, let, I mean, let's maybe think about what sort of game this would be. Uh, in, in a narrative sense, I mean, point and click makes sense. We often do that. Are you playing as Jessica, I guess? Maybe switch um, between a few different characters, like a teacher? I, I'm, I'm just wondering whether, whether you're playing another character that is kind of like- Amuse to um to Jessica. Okay, well, because well, I mean, that's going to come down to how she learned to do this. Like, is it literally just that she's a genius and she figured this out? Um, I, I mean, I think either way, she's obviously incredibly intelligent. But d- is this a case where there's some sort of like alien intervention or something, and they've chosen her to to introduce? Like, it's it's like a case of an alien species breaking the prime directive. <laughs> um. Well, I, I I do quite like that idea. I think your character, um, you know, you, you're sort of like the best friend of Jessica, and you've been there for years. But you you turn out to like one of the twists midway through the game is that you know you're actually an extraterrestrial who's who's there to guide Jessica in the um, and you haven't actually been there for years. You've just been here for this episode. Of whatever Star Trek show this is, um, and you implanted memories in her head to make her think you'd been there for years. <laughs> yeah, um, but like that Rick and Morty episode where um, you had those those memory bugs that yeah, you know, 
It, it was all happy memories. It was all happy memories, yeah. <laughs> and only happy memories. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. I like, how do you- That's interesting. How do you do that reveal? Um, yeah, I, I, I like this as a point and click, I guess. Um, do, do we go 2D or 3D on a point and click like this? Um, I know. I, I kind of like the, the ease of the 2D. Mm. Um, having played, like you know, classic. Dark Side Detective. Yeah. You know, well, where even that was that- pure 2D. Yeah. Um, where, you know, it, it was more about here are individual rooms that you're sort of going through. Um, yeah, very, very much classic point and click style. Um, you know, a single, single, single room with, with hand drawn background art and that sort of thing. Yeah. But, um, I do like the idea of not really being able to move around the scene. Like, um, a lot of the time I don't actually think moving around the scene is actually needed. Um, um oh, they certainly right, did that back in the, back in the, back in the day with the Sierra and LucasArts and all that yeah. sort of stuff. But, um, it having depends. played Dark it Side Detective, it's, it's really, you didn't need to actually move around, you know, just the character moving from each screen to each screen. I mean, I think that's a, I think that's a limitation you can certainly give yourself. It does, I, I it does semi limit the puzzles you can, you can have in a sort of, um, in that, like, you can't have a screen, you can't have a scene where, I mean, for one, where movement is part of the puzzle or where, you know, there's a section of the, of the scene that you can't, get into yeah like it just takes a bit more explaining to say like oh you can't you know you can't interact with that because it's on the other side of this fence or whatever uh but yeah look that that would come down to the writing i think in the puzzles and what was required and given that it's us it'll be shit writing (laughs) yeah we know you know one one day we'll actually write an adventure game and get some practice in (laughs) and prove all our haters wrong yeah, all those haters out there. We're just constantly getting hate messages. I don't understand. We don't even have that many listeners. Where do they come from? <laughs> uh, oh, no, anyway, back to the game. Uh, this is a tangential episode, I feel like. Um, all right, so what's the kind of what's the kind of arc? We've got um, Jessica at the science fair. Uh, it goes back to a few days or a few weeks earlier, and it's her and her friend- um, Are discussing what- the science fair. Her friend, you know, I don't know how she didn't figure out he was an alien. No. <laughs> um, what's her friend's name? Jeremy, too. <laughs> I don't know. Jeremy David. F. Because there are two Jeremys in the class. So, it's Jeremy F and Jeremy uh, Q. P. Jeremy Elementor P. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, her and Jeremy discussing it and, like, so, is she trying to- is she trying to create cold fusion or is it an accident that he obviously pushes her towards? Um, well, I, I think when you see her first attempt of um, of a science fair project, it's pretty much um, what typical scientists uh, or typical teenagers do at these science fairs, where yeah. it's some sort of potato battery or right. um, photosynthesis, how does it work? Or, yeah. um, you know, so it's it's something that's not, it's not too- um, all right. Well, I like top. I like the idea though of a puzzle at the beginning that is uh, transforming that typical science fair, uh, you know, exhibit into cold fusion. <laughs> yeah. Um, so maybe it is. I think a potato battery is good because she'd already have something that's like measuring the output of you know the the current created by it or something. Um, yeah. 
And so you, you have a puzzle where, yeah, basically you turn this potato battery into a self-sustaining <laughs> fusion core. Um, not needing containment fields or any special, uh, uh yeah, I, yeah. I'm just, I'm just imagining that, um, like, uh, her dad or some, something, something comes home and, um, he's got like a, a little bit of nuclear waste on his, on his, um, coat. And when he takes off the coat, you know, it drips down onto, onto like, um, onto the wood upstairs. And that in turn gradually seeps through and drips down into the basement where, where her potato is actually. <laughs> oh, so you think it's a full on like accident? Cause, cause isn't the whole thing that the, the alien best friend is, is somehow making this happen? Like I think yeah, well, he has to. I, I think I think what um, the whole thing is that the um, alien best friend happens to you know move move the coat just slightly or something like that. You know, it's basically trying to trying to create this um, an accident. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it's a tough puzzle because it's a nonsensical puzzle. Yeah, well, be- because if you're not trying to create cold fusion, like, maybe it just comes around. It could be around, like, increasing the efficiency of this potato battery and, I don't know, getting somehow getting hints as to different ingredients that you add to it. And every time you do that, it, like, becomes slightly more efficient until it's eventually, like, 150% efficient. It's like, oh, my God, we're creating energy. <laughs> uh or something yeah. like that, but uh, the, the potato battery is definitely one of those things that, like, we never really got to do that. No, Seems we didn't a have very that American kinda, thing. Yeah, we didn't have that kind of science fairish kind of thing going on. But it's a shame because it would have been fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I'm just I'm starting to think: do you do we actually go back to the original idea that the um the alien friend is actually just giving you ideas as to what you can what you can try? Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, I guess that comes- Because the problem is if you're playing the alien friend, how yep. do you- How do you not give that twist away to the audience and still have them be the one who kind of prompted it? Be the muse, yeah. Um, I mean, it yeah. could be- It could be that they fake it and, like, they get some- Like, they find something on the internet or- I don't know, <laughs> Which, you, you know, you then explain later was actually, you know, he, he downloaded it from his spaceship that's in orbit or something. Um, I'm I'm just imagining now add some water to this and add this, um, this lithium, um, plutonium. Well, it's like take the lithium (laughs) ion battery out of your phone, uh, and put it in a solution of, uh, you know, salt water. Plutonium, uranium and salt. (laughs) Well, no, I think it, I think it just comes down to simple. Yeah. I think it comes down to simple ingredients. Like it's. Um, I don't think you need plutonium or whatever. I think it just comes down to you create a particular sort of, um, yeah, like state within your potato. <laughs> well, I- I'm, I'm starting to think whether, whether the, um, alien sort of goes, Oh, you know what I just thought? Like getting some radioactive material and you start thinking about where you could actually get some radioactive material and then you hear a, s- a smoke alarm going off. Right. And you know, the smoke alarms actually have yeah. like, minute amounts of radioactive material. <laughs> so the idea that, you know, you actually use the smoke alarm that is something that's pretty much in everyone's um in everyone's, everyone's house. house yeah. And be able to use basically everyday household objects to create this um to create this, you know, cold fusion battery. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I kinda like that. Yeah. Anyway, we we're not doing a adventure game design done quick here, so we won't go through every single puzzle, but um 
every yeah. puzzle. I I like I like that setup, um, and I like the twist of it. Yeah, being a sort of Star Trek ish, which uh, you know they're here to solve a problem and blend in, but then they end up breaking their prime directive to to make contact and end up pushing this world into <laughs> fucking warp travel or whatever. But what if it was like the alien um, Jeremy is actually like yes, technically an alien because he wasn't born on Earth, but he is still human just from the future. Um, okay, when, so it's like when, a Star Trek Four situation. Yeah. yeah. So Jeremy um, from the future has come back, and to power his ship to get back to the future, he needs to Marty. Um, he needs to set in motion. Something that um, Jessica herself was going to work out eventually, and right. in turn, yeah, that's cool. You know, he's yeah. just pushed it forward a couple of years. Yeah, okay, yeah, I like that. That's a good reveal too. And then the second half of the game is about her helping him get back. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'd play that. Yeah, I'd play the shit out of that. All right, three, two, one, click. Attack. Purple. <laughs> The purple attack is upon us. Um, um, purple nurple. No, I was, I was <laughs> thinking, um, oh, what's the purple people leader song? Oh, right. The the, the one-eyed blah, blah, purple, purple, the- purple, purple. <laughs> <laughs> one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people leader. That's the one. Um, uh, a game of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of liking the idea that, you know, it's a it's a alien- Attack, and it's and they're all one-eyed, know, sort of, one-horned, I'm, flying purple well, people eaters. What I'm thinking is, it's like the origin of that song. Right. Like, um, it's set in like the 50s or something like that, and um, effectively, like these these aliens that come to Earth to um to decimate decimate the the um Earth population. Uh-huh. They um. They can't be held in people's memory. Okay. But by creating the um, by creating this song, people were able to actually sort of fight back. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. Uh, so so an alien race attacks, and one of one of their methods of attacking is that they basically have a a passive mind wipe. Like it's not even something they do intentionally. It's kind of just part of their part of their anatomy, um, and, mm-hmm. and the way that's the, that they affect human brains is that people can't remember them. Yep. And so, so is this going to explain why this song was even popular at all? Because all these people like relate to it in a way that they can't quite understand. <laughs> um, I, I I think maybe your your main character, um. Happens to be the original creator of that song, Sheb like- Woolley. <laughs> I've had the Wikipedia page over. Oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> That's actually um, interesting. So I, I'm I'm picturing that he's he's got some sort of um some sort of like defect in his brain in which the mind wipe doesn't actually work on him. Oh my god, Sheb Woolley is the guy who did the Wilhelm scream. That's amazing. <laughs> That's awesome for the for the final thing in this. <laughs> the final the final scene. Ah. <laughs> and that's, then um that's awesome. 
you know, so so I think that's what that's what explains as to why your character can actually fight all these um flying purple people eater so the, aliens. So the name of the game is like Sheb Woolly and the Flying Purple People Eaters or something. Like you play Sheb Woolly, um, yep. which is a fucking awesome name already. And <laughs> how does the game? So what's the gameplay then? Well. Is- is I'm, just I'm seeing a- it as a as like a first person shooter sort of thing, except all the people that are that are in the in the environment, um, anytime that they they look at these things, they you know super super scared. But yeah. then the second that they look they away, they go around a corner, like, they're they re- like calm again. <laughs> they return to normal. Um, <laughs> so because or you know they turn they turn to run away, yeah. and they just forget, and then they get eaten straight away. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm almost thinking this isn't a first-person shooter. I'm wondering if we can go a bit more arcadey with this. Uh, and obviously, there's still there's still that um, that backstory and 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 story in between. But this almost feels like you could go kind of a retro arcadeish sort of game where it's about yeah, like it's about shooting these aliens um, and keeping the people safe. Because yeah, if they're not looking at the aliens or if they don't have line of sight to them or something, they don't run from them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so it could almost be, yeah, like a, like a f- quite simple mechanic where you just have a level with with buildings or walls or whatever in different places, and you need to I don't know whether you are hurting people or you're just uh, having to kill monsters before like kill the purple people eaters before they get to the people, and it's about you know how many people you save or something. But um, yeah, that could be. You could keep it pretty simple. Yeah. Now I'm trying to think. I think the first verse of the song is actually talking about like this this cute little alien that he sort of finds, and then it turns out that it's a it's a flying purple people leader, and that's when like shit turns sour. Um. So I'm liking the idea that you know he sort of um finds this purple alien in his backyard. He takes it inside and cares for it, and then like he works out that you know it eats people. Well, um, we, we I don't think we'll go this way because it'll complicate things too much, but apparently there's some ambiguity around whether the people eater itself is purple or whether it's something that eats purple people. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it can be both. Maybe you really have to save the purple people. <laughs> but it's when worth, you're wearing these special goggles that you actually see points. certain people or um, have got like a purple aura or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, okay. So- I'm I'm going to annoy you a little bit. <laughs> okay. You're going to sing it. Because I've kind of stolen this idea of of the alien being able, not being able to be remembered um, from a certain other show. Oh, okay. Is it Doctor Who? Yeah. Yes, it's Doctor <laughs> Who. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, for those people out there going, Trev, you just stole it from the silence. Yes, I did. And I'm happy to say that we came up with a pretty cool idea for a game. Yeah, um, that's- And the fact that, you know, you're going to finish off the entire thing with, like, the origin of the Wilhelm scream as well. So- That is pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome. Sheb Woolley is awesome. All right. Three, two, one, click. Environment. Infinity. The infinity environment. It's just Minecraft, isn't it? It's Minecraft, well, but actually, not made, made by a total douchebag. Actually, Minecraft isn't infinite. Oh, it does have okay. a limit. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, infinite environment. This this kind of reminds me, going back to one of our first 
lot of guests. Uh-huh. Um, in which you could, you know, build the tree and influence the tree. I can't remember. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, Evergreen. Evergreen. Yes. Yep. So, I'm sort of thinking about, like, taking this to, to like, a- um, almost the same sort of place, except except it's it's more about the environment itself. You, you're sort of playing Mother Nature as it was, as it were. Okay. And um, you know, the whole idea is you can you can set off you know some environmental sort of um, changes, something. changes and things like that. You you see as you're going, you see different um, different uh, like dinosaurs and stuff go through and then you're basically going through the through the millions of years mm. but you you're talking about the whole ecosystem not just one sort of plant you you're actually sort of talking more about what little things you can do to influence the um the so way the environment sort so of works so it's sim earth 2 <laughs> uh look I, I i think you could do some interesting stuff with that it would be incredibly complex um to manage um we could take some ideas of that. So, so where my mind went when you started talking about evergreen, and this is a game where you you grow a tree and you can you know you can pull branch you know uh, grow branches off it in certain directions and, and do different things to suck up water or whatever. But I I had the idea that may that what would be interesting is if you were growing a tree in that sort of fashion, but that it was about the inhabitants of the tree. Um, so it's almost a I was almost getting a real time strategy ish vibe, but I, I don't think it has to be that. But you are basically the image I'm getting is it's like, okay, I'm going to grow a branch off this direction. It's not quite as fast as in the evergreen. I think it's start like you sort of get a bit of a time lapse of it. But as these branches grow off, you get like buildings and um, like uh, rope ladders between them and pathways. Like it's almost like an Ewok village up in this tree mm-hmm. uh, that, you, that you're kind of you're driving the direction that this tree is growing. Um, but- that also that that creates you, you do that strategically to to build up this kind of civilization that lives in this tree um now yeah. whether you do that over time and still bring in some of that kind of bigger climate level environment stuff uh, i'm not sure but yeah i don't know i, I kind of like the idea of focusing on this little civilization of whatever they are tree folk um yeah, so I mean, the the sort of things that I was thinking that you could definitely bring into into play is, um, sort of, if you only had control over certain certain things. So so like basically, you had control over like the wind, um, rainfall, and I don't know maybe maybe you can have some powers to do to do some like earthquakes or mm-hmm. or something like that to basically you shake don't things have up much control but you can you can literally shake shake some things up yeah. that um what I did like about that was that you you had to try and influence which way things would actually go by making minute adjustments to um to sort of like if you put too much rainfall in one place then you can you can actually totally destroy other places because you've only been focusing on this one mm-hmm. one area and there's only so much that can actually go around. Yeah, well look, we could sort of combine those in a way where where maybe we bring the focus down a bit from like still up from a single tree. Yeah. Uh to maybe a forest. To like a forest. Yeah. And and maybe it's around uh, again, a little bit of both. So perhaps every season you have some way to influence 
the weather. Like maybe these maybe these tree folk can do like weather dances, right? Like they they pray to their gods for for certain um, weather patterns, mm-hmm. and and then you kind of get to see that play out, and you can see how it affects this forest. Uh, and and it could even be that there are sort of multiple um, factions within the forest, and each of them. Each of them get to do their little their little tree dance or their little uh, their little weather dance to 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 alter it in some way. But you know, there's going to be tension between them for who gets rain or who gets sun or or you know who gets to freeze over winter and that sort of thing. So there is this which, kind which of which tribe turns cannibalistic? Yeah, yeah. Well, that could be part of it for sure. Uh, almost a bit um, of so I'm getting now I'm getting a bit of a frost punk vibe where it's kind of this survival thing over a fairly long period of time well i mean frostpunk's not over that long much that long but it's it's your civilization it's the decisions you make about this tribe about this tribe of tree folk um just just and it's very much about survival and tough decisions what what i do kind of like is like in this in the last third of the game um that's when you know, white man comes through and starts destroying <laughs> starts your forest. down trees. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I like that. That could be an interesting way to, to bring some, um, like a political, interesting environmental message into it for sure. Uh, yep. and then it does, that's, that's just sort of, that's one of the factors then of survival, uh, that you have to bring into your decision making. Yeah. In the blink of an eye, your entire forest is totally decimated. <laughs> Yeah, I guess if you're doing like a time lapse thing, it's just going to be gone <laughs> um, before you even notice. It's like, <sighs> yep, all those um, all those tribes, including the cannibalistic one, all gone. Well, and it could just be that that's a late game factor where, because um, one of the sorts of decisions you could make is sort of where to build or like where to focus, uh, where to focus your population, mm-hmm. and so part of it could be. You know, oh, you start to see sections of forest disappear. Like you need to move your population deeper into the forest, um, and 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 maybe you're building up defenses just by creating particular types of trees or or the density of the trees or something that's going to take longer for them to to get to you, and you're going to survive for longer. Uh, and and yeah, maybe you can eventually build up different defenses where you can literally fight them off. I don't know, but <laughs> um. I really, I really like that that idea that the um, that the game dev tycoon guys did for for like the pirated game. Uh-huh. Um, so if you pirate this they, game, the um, the, the, the fucking- white man always wipes wipes you out no matter yeah. what you do. The thing is, it's, it's only the last third of the game, so you're playing through all this game, and no matter what you do, you, you can't you're totally win fucked. It. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I just really like that idea. You know, I mean, it's very people- accurate because. Uh, white people always fuck up the environment in the last third of the game. <laughs> Sorry, that was a real ham-fisted, like, climate change thing. <laughs> Three to one click. Yeah. Mum. Container. A mum container. Yeah, look, uh, I instantly got the idea of some sort of robotic mail-order mum that comes in a box. <laughs> yeah. For, like, people who need someone to take care of them. I don't know. Uh... Um, I, I started thinking about what other versions of mum can you actually have? And well, it's like it could be keeping the mum. whole keeping mum mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of keeping, keeping a secret. Um, 
a secret about what's in this container. Um, well, you could just even go down the, the line of containing information is keeping a secret. Uh, uh, there are certainly some interesting mechanics and dynamics you could have around knowledge sharing in a game, in the game system. Okay, okay. <clears throat> There's a Netflix show that I've really, really enjoyed, mm-hmm. Santa Clarita Diet. Yes. This is a common thread on our show, but yes. it is a very good show. Um, I'm just wondering whether there's a, there's a way that you could actually have like this, um, almost like a Sims like yeah. game, in which the secret that you've got to try and keep is that the mum is actually a zombie. Okay, okay, yeah, I like this. So you've sort of got this small town with a population yep. of simulated people. Yes. Uh, with maybe you know relatively straightforward kind of day to day routines. Yeah, all of the Sims. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the challenge is that do you play as this family or as the mum? You you play as the family, uh, like you do sort of in the Sims. You yeah. know that you control a whole family. Yeah. Um, the mum has certain needs that she that must be met. Yes. In i.e., like she needs Eating to eat human flesh. Yep. Um, and obviously, if you're really shit at it, then. Um, you do the, if you do the if you do the typical thing that I used to like doing in The Sims, which was invite everyone over, pull them into a room, delete the door, and then they just die uh, of starvation. Or uh-huh. you know, they you drop them into the pool and then you delete the ladder. Um, you know, so in this sort of like- in this, it's you put them all in a room with the mum and delete the door. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do that, and um, people know that oh, um, there was a message on the answering machine that. Um, you know, you were going over to visit Sarah. Yeah. Well, they're There's going to come. An investigation and yeah. Okay, so you're 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 kind of going very Sims like with it, even down to the interface and stuff. In that you are managing this family. Yeah, you you've. I'm I'm liking the idea that it's kind of like the Sims without the building aspect. Okay. That you're sort of managing the life rather than building the house and yeah and. Yeah, it's it's the the sim mode rather than the build mode of the Sims, and yeah. so it's day to day. They get hungry, they need to piss, they need to eat human flesh, they need to go to school, uh, they need to commit murder. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, exactly. They need, they so need to investigate. Is there an aspect then of finding your victim? Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's certainly something that you know can be kind of a bit confronting at first. Um, especially because, you know, if I'm thinking if the mum eats too many, um, eats too many household pets, then she goes a bit feral. Um, yeah. Is the so, less able to control herself, uh, yeah. around humans and she might just snap and eat one. Yeah. I'm kind of thinking that she needs to, um, eat brains to try and keep the, um, Keep the the human aspect. Oh, so a bit of eye zombie sort of, in there too. Yeah, a bit of eye zombie. Yeah. Um, my wife and I have been watching eye zombie on your recommendation, and yeah, it's very good. Kind of. I'm waiting for season five to finish so we can binge it. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, um, how would the investigation work? Is that just kind of do we abstract that away to just as long as one person in the family spends time on the investigation task, like you get better targets or something, or is it or is it more in depth than that? Do you have to start getting to know? Who lives where in the town and, and their behaviours and which ones are Nazis? 
Yeah, I, I, I do like the idea of you, you having to, to sort of get out there and, you know, maybe, maybe as a stopgap, you can befriend the local, um, uh, what's it called? Like, um, medical examiner to, to get some fresh brains and stuff. Um, but for the most part, you, you're going to want to actually, uh, get a fresh supply because, mm-hmm. um, your wife can only survive as so long on, you know, um, frozen or decomposed refrigerated or, yeah. slash partially decomposed. Yep. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, so I, I, I guess I really like this idea of, of just, you know, uh, seeing, seeing the mum go absolutely psycho if you neglect her, <laughs> um, well, her, you know, needs well, and that I'm, sort of stuff. I'm just picturing, you know, in the Sims when they get in a fight and it's just like the kind of the uh, dust cloud and you see, you know, it's a very cartoony dust cloud and you see the head poke out and get pulled back in and that sort of thing. Uh, it's yep. that, but like blood everywhere. So you just sort of, yeah. you see the dust cloud, but you just get these big spurts of blood that, that, that find their way and coat the walls of wherever it's happening. Uh, and then when the dust settles, there's a dead half eaten corpse that you then have to pick <laughs> up and put in a freezer. So, you know, now you've got a supply for a while. I'm just picturing I'm- <laughs> that, you know, the husband and daughter are, are out, you know, um, che- checking into these Nazis and, um, you know, like the postman comes comes to the door and the mum just sort of invites the postman in and it's like, oh, shit, you know, and you've sort of lost control over the over the mum because her eyes have gone red and she's, <laughs> well, seeing, she's seeing the blood lust. <laughs> the thing is, I'm also picturing it all in Simlish. <laughs> In what? In Simlish, like the Sim language. Yeah. So they invited me in, you know, ah, oh, it's a little poor. How do you go black? Just painted the, the, the whole living room in blood. Yeah. yeah. The, the husband comes home and it's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> well, the husband comes home and it's just, oh, we better start cleaning. Yeah, oh, my mood is low. I've had to clean up another fucking murder scene. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I I think combining a few of those zombie things together with the Sims, I think is is a is a gold mine for. I think awesome. I think a gory zombie Sims is uh, is a good way to go for sure. Yep. Cool. Three, two, one, click. <laughs> yep. Failing. Kiss. I mean, the problem is if you fail to kiss someone, generally. It's because they haven't consented to be kissed, and I don't really want to go down that route. No. Uh, is this a speaking simulator esque game where you're controlling the tongue of someone kissing somebody else? No, that, uh, that exists. Yeah. Um, okay. Failing and kiss. So the kiss that failed was oh, is the it- kiss of life. Oh, I was, I was going to go, is it kiss the band? <laughs> no, I originally thought of that. I'm just thinking. This could be a narrative story of like a lifeguard who goes to save this this um, child, kid. maybe. Yep. Yeah, and fails. and and fails. Like didn't didn't get to the kid in time. Couldn't couldn't resuscitate. Okay, and and just go down a down like a, a sad sort of story. Yeah, that, we're going to serious route here. Yeah, I know I, that that's that's where you know a a good version if it's if it's good to fail the kiss of life you know but it's a it's a more acceptable version yeah 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 okay okay i can see this because there's there's the opportunity in a game to have quite a powerful experience of 
Like, if you are literally making the player go through some of the motions of resuscitation and it becoming clear that this is failing, like, the, the opening scene is you are a lifesaver, a lifeguard, and, you know, a kid- is brought, you know, you have to go and save a kid who's obviously drowning and and attempt to resuscitate and fail at it. Like, that could be pretty devastating to a player. Yeah. Um, and I like that in the sense of it's it's a, it's an emotionally gripping, uh, you know, sensation and a way to start a game off. And then it's- And, like, yeah, that's literally the, the start. And now it's how is this person dealing with it? So, so do you go down the route of- you're playing like the parent is also the lifeguard sort of thing i i think it's cleaner if if it's not necessarily someone they even know your kid yeah that it's because um, then you actually have to deal with them dealing with the parents of this child yeah. um and and i said dealing with but i just mean like their relationship with the parents of this this child you know, and and in a in a situation like that, I, I feel like that could go in a, in a variety of different ways depending on yep. you know the the parents and and how they accept the death of their child, which is obviously horrific. Yeah, so um, I'm just picturing like maybe the first thing that that happens in the game is that you know it's sort of like a a heavy rain esque. Um, you go through the motions of of getting your breakfast ready, and you know you. You go, you go walk the dog. Then you come back. You go off to work. It's like any any regular sort of day. Yeah, and look, you're at the pool. I, I and sorry, I was going to say. I think I think yes. I don't know if you need to sort of go through the whole morning routine, but I think you definitely want to set the scene of this is a regular, a regular day. day. And so maybe it's maybe it starts with them at the pool, but it's kind of they go through. You know, yeah, you do some of those those actions of like get into your swim gear and, you know, get your clipboard or whatever and, and, and find out what section of the, you know, what you're, um, what you rusted on for. And it's very much, this is just your job. It's day to day. You have a bit of conversation with people. There's a bit of banter with, you know, your boss or, or, you know, some of the, some of the regulars at the pool or something, you know, you climb up into your big high lifeguard uh, chair and, um, you know, you've got a few little scenes where people do come over and, like, say hi. And, um, but then, yeah, like. You see some kids that are, that are running, a, running around on the edge of the pool. And so you've, you've got to sort of call them out for. Yeah, for you've got to blow your whistle and- a few times. And then I think. I wonder if. You, you've got basically two scenes that, that sort of occur simultaneously or. Yeah, maybe. And you can, you have to choose. And it's not, it's not obvious that either of them are life threatening. Um, and you can even branch it here. Like, obviously you want, you need the game to go in a particular direction, but whichever one you don't choose (laughs) ends up with you having to attempt to resuscitate someone. But, um, that could be another way to really, I mean, honestly, fuck with the player (laughs) because they feel like they've made the wrong choice. Yeah. And then if they replay it and they choose the other one, because I think you've got basically two lifeguards that um, they each dive in to save to save a kid. Uh-huh. The one that isn't you, so the lifeguard that isn't you, saves the kid. Yeah, and yeah. you you um, aren't able to to resuscitate rust- rust- I mean, yeah, yours. You don't get to them in time, you know. Um, well, maybe you can actually have, um, you know, depending on which one you actually happen to choose, um, 
so on the second playthrough, you choose the other one, and you happen to um you happen to be able to resuscitate the kid. So you can have that that two sort of story thing happening. Perhaps of, I mean I guess one person being seen as the then? hero. Yeah, well, one person being seen as the hero, and and the other person being going into like a maybe a depression spiral sort of thing. Maybe I just feel like you you get end up having to write two complete stories. Um, yeah. Whereas I, I, what I was thinking maybe is maybe just the two situations are a bit different. Um, like maybe one kid kind of accidentally gets shoved and and whacks their head on the side of the pool and he's sort of you know drifting under and and you know he's under too long. Um, <laughs> but the other one is I don't know it, it's a bit less obvious or something. It's I don't know they they go down the water slide and just don't come up. Like there's no kind of kerfuffle around it. Um, and it's yep. not until someone yells out, "Hey, this you know, this this kid's drowned. Like this kid's not coming up. They're floating under the, under the water, kind of thing." Uh, that you get notified of it, but it just so happens that those the notification of that and the other kid hitting their head happen at the same time. And so, yep. either way, you know, because of the because of the head hit, like that actually perhaps causes the death. Like so, there's a bit of difference there of you know maybe even how the parents react, like. The the kid who's hit his head, that's obviously more of a freak accident versus the lifeguard yep. maybe didn't notice on time that this kid was under the water. You know what I mean? Um, yep. And either way, really, it's not the like not the lifeguard lifeguard's fault as such because they can't they can't be watching every kid. And again, maybe it's a it's you know maybe this kid had a seizure or something, right? It's it's just not yep. as obvious, uh, and um, that could what, kind of be I, the way it branches. What I do like is the um is the two kids like they're ones that you actually. As a as a lifeguard, you you've actually yelled at earlier. Yeah. So yeah. for horsing around, one, yeah. the kid who's you know running around and 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 you know running on the side of the pool, they're the one that actually slips and you know, busts their head open, yeah. and slips into the water. Um, and the other one, um, I think was involved in some horseplay or something like that. Like, yeah, in the but water. he's maybe obviously not as willing a participant kind of thing. Like, yeah. they're not as confident in the water and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, and I like that idea. And then the branching is around just whenever you're dealing with the parents, like that can go slightly differently and it affects things in slightly different ways. Um, because I feel like one parent would perhaps blame the lifeguard a bit more. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing that, you know, we have to sort of take it down into a, a therapy sort of route and, and. Yeah, know. well, look, I think it could be a really interesting exploration of, of trauma and of depression and of guilt, you know, um, and, and how that plays out in a in a, in a situation like that, um, it's not going to be a fun game to play. But <laughs> yeah, but could, it's, um, it's, if you it could be a good story to if you look at um, games like um, what was it that Dragon Cancer or yeah yeah no there's precedent for sure. Like I think it would be a a good candidate. And again, with the whole kind of you feel in control as a gamer. Uh, and, and that you are personally the one who has sort of failed to do this, uh, that, uh, that's quite powerful. But, but just the, the idea of being able to sort of look into, you know, life does unfortunately have to go on and, and this, yeah. um, you know, just doing your regular everyday tasks now seem, you know, a, to- a totally different type well, of chore to do. Yeah. And I mean, to, that, to work through and that could be a really interesting thing. And I mean, to be honest, because well, it's just- actually why I wanted to go through the um through the, you know, going through the motions and at the start of the game to right. then show how different the going through the That's motions are. That's a good point. Are. That's a good point. 
Because next time that could definitely be an interesting thing, or uh, interesting exploration of depression there. Although having said that, uh, I feel like making bringing the depression on as a result of trauma like that is almost um, cop almost a cop out because it could actually be more interesting to do a game like that where it's just a regular person who has depression, you know, yeah. um, and how and how that affects them every day. But, uh, well, but yeah, no, the, the the person actually had depression when it when it first started, and it's not. The cause of this isn't the cause of right, the depression. But right. This is it's just, more just that's another thing they're dealing with, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, we're we're pretty much all dealing with depression nowadays. I mean, um, yeah. Look, it's, it's it is very common, and, and a lot of us uh, a lot of us do struggle with it, and and know the sort of the way that it can affect your brain. Uh, but I do like the idea of trying to do that then through because then even before the event happens. Uh, that could be an interesting exploration just of how, you know, okay, this person is depressed. It is actually an effort for them to to get through some of their morning routines and things. But then once they get into work, like, there's no sign of it. Like, it's not obvious to the other people around them necessarily. Yeah. Uh, and so, you could even provide a bit of a sort of internal monologue there and, 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 yeah, obviously through the mechanics of, you know, actually making it a struggle to get out of bed, uh, Mechanics. One of the one of the, it's one of the hardest like uh, quick time events. <laughs> one of the hardest. Quick, you have to really fucking like hammer, hammer, hammer on that on that fucking X button or whatever to. Yeah, it, it's like test your might. Yeah, but, like the hardest level of fucking <laughs> test your might. <laughs> oh, I actually really love that idea of of quick time events <laughs> and gameplay mechanics to do everyday things while dealing with mental illness. Like that. That's really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yeah, that's. Oh, I was going to say that's cool. It's not. It's hor- you know, it's horrifying and sad and tragic. But uh, no, I, I like some of the ideas there and what you could do with them for sure. That's yeah. that's, that's okay. Cool. So we can't end on that because right, that's let's, not a fun one. Yeah, to end we're a bit on. over. So let's do three, two, one, click. Let's do a quick one and dial belonging, belonging and dial. Okay, so dial immediately made me think of like a rotary phone. Yeah, which you know, obviously today's kids. Have no idea about. Um, so I'm picturing that this is set in the 80s because mm-hmm. when I think rotary phone, I think um, Melbourne in the 1980s. <laughs> um, Just because you were living there and that yes. you had a rotary phone, yeah, yes. So this is this is pre um, pre the eight digit numbers even. So it's seven, seven digit numbers. Digits. So it's early early 80s. Um, is this Ghostbusters uh, has just oh. come out? <laughs> okay, this is getting very specific. Um, I like it. Yep. Yeah, it's like 1984, mm-hmm. set in Melbourne, mm-hmm. and it's like a a coming of age story about a, a kid who's you know just moved to t- moved to town and is trying to um, okay feel like he belongs. Yeah, yeah. All right, I like that. Um, suburban Melbourne. Suburban Melbourne. Yeah. Uh, out of recent suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Funny that. Uh, okay. It's sort of a dandy donks. <laughs> <laughs> what's the uh, what's the prefix? <laughs> the first three digits. Uh, seven two seven two five. There you go. Okay. Like seven. Croydon. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so how much of this game is it revolves? pun not intended, around the rotary phone. Like, is this a game that's kind of played through phone conversations or is that just an aspect of it? Because uh, obviously that um, is a big aspect of, you know, 
what age are we saying? Like 12, 13 kind of thing? Like 12, 13 in the 1980s. Yeah. Yeah. So it's sort of like just moved, just moved, um, to the area, uh, first year of high school. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of Stranger Things vibe of the age yeah. of the kids and the, um, and the, the, the time period. Um, what, what I like about that time period is it brings up a lot of, a lot of memories about how, like going over to a friend's place would actually really work that, you know, you'd ring up, you'd organize to go over and then your parents just would let you out and would not be able to find out where you were until you came home sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas yeah, the, today- The lack kids- of communication there. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, they could, they could presumably call the kid's parents, but, you know, if you, for whatever reason, weren't actually at that friend's house anymore because you you and some other friends had gone somewhere else it could be that nobody knows where you are <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah going back going back to the whole sense of belonging like i don't know about you in in year seven but um it was a scary time like yeah th- there's only certain friends that you sort of knew going going from um primary school to, to high school like I know that from my primary school, I only had like two really good friends that came along with me to to the high yeah, school that I chose. Yeah, I only had I had two people that I knew and one who I was actually like good friends with. Yeah, I was lucky that um you know I ended up in the same class with these people. Yeah, but um not everyone was so lucky. Like there was probably about another five people that I know went to my primary school, mm. but that's about it. Yeah, well, and I think um, so. I think for for the purposes of this game, though, like I don't think this kid knows anyone right away. No, no, yeah, I'm 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 seeing that it's it's basically like a, you know, they move from not a different state, not necessarily or- a year in the life sort of thing, but it's it's like just a, a snippet of life that yeah, it's a it's almost like a visual novel of of this kid, um, making some friends. Yeah, I think you get some days here and there. You get different. You know, so, so like the game starts and it's like you're new to school. I don't know. Maybe the game starts and you're like out the front of your class having to, you know, talk about yourself. Like that's literally yep. the opening scene of the game is like voiceover, the teacher saying, you know, okay, like tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself and where you came from. And then, you know, you sort of get the, the, the fade in from black and the camera looking up at all these kids in front of you, just like looking expectantly at you, like it's a first person view. Yeah. Um, and you and just you've got get like to dialogue select. trees, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I really like that idea. Yeah. And then, yeah, then you sort of, you have like a scene play out at the lunch table and then you have a scene play out at home, you know, uh, um, sitting on the stool next to the, the rotary phone that's in the living room. Yeah, as you're, you know, maybe calling a new friend you met, or while at the same time there's a conversation between you know your sister and your dad going on in front of you. Kind of thing. <laughs> um, now, older sister or younger sister? Uh, I grew up with a younger sister. You grew up with younger sisters. Yeah, look, I it could be interesting to have it as an older sister and get the parallel of them going through a similar thing, but. But, like, in late high school? Uh, yeah, they're in, like, year 12 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and I, I don't know whether they're more confident and popular or if they're having even more trouble than you. Like, you could take it in both directions and, and have some interesting um, uh, conversations yeah. there for them to play off each other. But, um, 
but yeah, I, I, I like that in general. Yeah, I just, I just like, I, I really like it when there's a story just in a moment of time, and it's oh it's god, kind of and like, look, and um, the environment artist will have a fucking field day because I feel like doing that sort of period piece in a video game, um, with all the props and the the lights and the wallpapers and the I don't know, you know, the just just the way it's all built could be quite be a field interesting. day, basically. Yeah. Yeah, they'd have a good time with it. Or maybe it would um, suck. I don't know. I've never been an environment artist, but I feel <laughs> I feel like there's an interesting challenge there. Yeah, I kind of like the idea of it all sort of- um, The friendship sort of hinges around, like, the mutual love of this of this new blockbuster film that just came out. Ghostbusters? Um, Is that what yeah, you're going well, for? Well, it, it doesn't have to be Ghostbusters, but, yeah. you know, if, you, can, you can just say, um, want to go see this blockbuster film from this weekend. And you know that's what the sort of friendship hinges on. At the end of the end of this visual novel, interactive it's, fiction, uh, sort it's of thing. labyrinth, and you're really both into David Bowie. <laughs> the end of the <laughs> the end the end of the you know near the end of the game, you do a little um, sing along over the phone to dance magic, dance. whatever it is. We're not doing the the hoodoo you voodoo, me the babe. No, we've already done that. <laughs> I know. Um, all right. I, yeah, I like that a lot. I think- I, I like those little- Yeah, I like those little snippet in time uh, narrative kind of things. That's, yeah. uh, that's a lot of fun. Oh, cool. All right. Well, I think we shall end it there for this episode of Bitstorm. Thank you all for joining us once again. If you would like to find us and our other episodes and some of the other things that we occasionally do, like YouTube videos and stuff- Online, you can find us at podchaser.com slash bitstorm, or you can also find us at 8bit.net slash bitstorm because we are part of the 8bit collective, a group of like-minded podcasters, uh, who, you know, podcast about stuff and do it in a collective. It's fun. It's good. Check them out. Go search Facebook for the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network. They're an awesome group of people, like-minded individuals, basically trying to help each other out and just talk about our favourite games. They're also found on Twitter, hashtag AGPN or the at the AGP Network. Finally, we'd like to thank Kuradust for the song Mount Defiance off of the album Containment Failure. Yeah. So, thank you again for joining us this week on Bitstorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. And I'm a one-eyed, one-horned flag paper people eater. Oh!